Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. So welcome to everyone. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great Sunday. For the next three weeks, we're starting with a new um, series on a word called In the River. Um, I said to Salome, it's so fun. We've just finished a, a series called The Bridge, and now we're in the river, under the bridge. And it's like over the bridge, under the bridge, in the river. <laughs> but it's a, it's a very intentional word that God has been chipping away in my heart for probably the last year. And I said to Salome, I don't know, when should I start preaching this? When should I start mentioning this? Because it's, it's quite a different angle from what we've been speaking about um, in church for probably the last six months. And this is going to be a deep sermon series, so don't run away. Um, sometimes you have to have some, some vegetables with the, with the dessert. But, um, but I, probably, I promise you, this is one of the words that, that we all need. It's something that we need that, that to go deeper in God. And we all want to go deeper. How many of you like rivers? Come on, I mean, rivers is amazing. I grew up next to a river called the Moy River. The Moy River. And, and it was everything but moy. Eh? It was everything but pretty. But it was an incredible river. I mean, I was so used to it. It was part of me. Um, when the rain came down, we were, I mean, young people, tubes in the river and went down almost like the Easter River here. Uh, it wasn't as violent as this one, but it was quite fun. And, um, and, uh, and then about 30 kilometers from Poch, um, I grew up in Pochstrom, um, there was the Vol River, and you all know the Vol River, big river. We went white river rafting there a lot. Uh, we had a lot of fun there. We had friends dying in that river with white water rafting. It's quite a, when that thing comes down flooding, it's super dangerous. But I was always scared of swimming in the river. I don't know about you, if, if, probably the same. If I can't see in there, I'm not going in there. That's why I'm probably not a sea guy. You know, I can't go in deep because I'm too scared. There's, there's stuff with long teeth in there that, that might not like me. <laughs> But, but I never liked, I never liked r swimming in the river. But then my first year at university, um, I, I actually have a, a master's degree in sports science. And in my first year in sports science, um, we had to do life-saving. You would, you says, no, no way, Kieran, you know. You, this, sorry, no way around this, this thing. You're going into the water. And you're going to be a lifesaver. It's like, well, I can't even swim. Oh, I can swim, but I'm not a good, I don't like swimming. I'm a, I'm a, a very good Submarine, man. I go down. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> um, so what, what was great about this first year of, of uh, life saving is they call it a bronze medal. Or I don't know what, what's bronze about it because it's the only thing. But you have to do the bronze medal on, on life saving. And it's, a, it's not a, it's open, water sa open water saving. But the thing is that forced me every, every, every morning at 6 o'clock I have to go to the swimming pool and I have to force myself to get into the pool. But when you get there at 6... It is quite chilly, and, and the mist are on the water like this. And it's like, I was just like asleep 15 minutes ago. Now I have to go in there, and I have to literally, I mean, it's suffering. You have to tread water with your arms in the air, with your shoulders outside for a minute. And I, I didn't even know how I passed that. And then you have to lay back and with, your, with your feet uh, crossed, and you have to only use your arms for a minute. So it's two minutes of water treading. But it just almost killed me. You know? I, I literally got that right like t two weeks before the exam, passed it. And then you have to swim length. And the first day, the guy said, okay, 600 meters warm up. It's like, what? I, I, I hate running 600 meters. Now I have to swim 600 meters. But the incredible thing of me just pitching up every, every morning, Monday to Thursday morning, I had to force myself to get into that water. And as I was doing that every week, every weekday till the exam for about three months, I got more confident in swimming. I got more confident in the water. And I passed my exam flying colors. And actually, the next year, I did, I did my instructors. But I didn't have to get into water. I could chase people around. You know, it's like you have to swim 600 meters. But it's, uh, it was quite fun. But about a week or two after that I got my, my, my life-saving diploma, um, we were at the Vol River with a bunch of friends. And before I could find myself, I was swimming over the river. I was like literally in the middle of the big river, water flowing. I was in the middle and I realized I don't like swimming in, in big rivers, but here I am and I'm actually enjoying this. And the confidence was just there. Now, with that in mind, I came across a, um, 
an article a couple of uh, weeks ago, and the article said the following. It was actually an article from National Ge Geographic that spoke about rivers. And as I was meditating on this and thinking about all these river stories, um, the article said the following. It said that some of the mightiest rivers in the world are drying up. The heading said, eight mighty rivers dry. And I thought, that's quite interesting, mighty rivers. That's, uh, that's uh, the big ones. In the, in the, I mean, you have get the Colorado River, the Amazon, the Nile River. And, and some of those big rivers are actually struggling. And, and as I was reading this article, it said that the reasons for this phenomenon was that it was due because of overuse of the river. And I thought, but man, if you look at the Amazon and the Nile, and those rivers are a lifeline to the people who's living up and down that river. They use it for, for um, industries, farming. I mean, they use it to, to, to transport. I mean, it's incredible. And I started reading this thing, and I, they, they said that the, the, um, the water that they tap from the rivers are literally drying it up so that it doesn't even, some of, in some parts, it doesn't run into the sea anymore. Like the Great Colorado River, they're quite, they're quite worried about that river. It's a river that goes through the Grand Canyon. It's a beautiful river. I don't know if some of you have been there, but it's, it's one of those rivers, great white, white water rafting on that river. But it provides water for 30 million people on a daily basis, that river. It, it, for 2,300 kilometers long, it provides water for farming and, and industries. And because of overuse of these rivers, the fountains are literally drying up. They're struggling. It's incredible when you, when, you, um, when you take a bunch of the waters, the fountains actually starts struggling. Where the fountain usually produce the same amount of water, but as, it doesn't f as it's not flowing into the, uh, into the sea as normal, the, the fountains start struggling. It's quite interesting, the whole thing. I th probably there's, there's more into it than, than anything else. But what really hit me in, in this article is that I, was, I realized that this is so true when it comes to our spiritual lives. This is a spiritual principle for us, and it's an important principle for us to learn how not to dry up as believers. Now, today we're starting this, this uh, series called In the River, and I'm going to speak about the river of mercy. And, and it's all gonna, I'm going to speak about mercy, and uh, we're going to go into one or two more topics in the next two weeks. But I want to start out with this, this scripture, which is uh, one of the core scriptures of the series. It says the following. On the last and the greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice. Now, this is Jesus in a festival, a lot of people. Think about it. A lot of people in a festival. If you go to a market here, Jesus get up and he started shouting with a loud voice. He said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. It probably was a hot day. If he said that, if you are thirsty, come to me and drink. Then he says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. But this he meant by the spirit whom those who believe in him were, um, were later to receive. He spoke about the spirit of God in us. Now, before meeting Jesus, our spirits were dry. Before you were saved, before you walked into salvation, you always had a longing. I don't know if you've always, there was always a longing, there was an empty space in my life. It's like, Lord, I need something. I don't know what it is, so now I'm going to look at, I'm, I'm going I'm to find it in alcohol or drugs or, or, or whatever thing that, that I think will fill the void in my heart. And that's what happens when you're not serving God yet. Because we want that fullness of God in our spirit. We have a longing for that. Your DNA, you were created with that for a longing for more of God. But listen to Psalm, Psalm 36, verse 7 and 8. It says, How precious is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. Then he says, You will give them drink from your river of delight. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? You see, we were born with a hunger for more of God. We were born with a hunger that God will give us a drink from His river of delight, that presence that God has. See, we, 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 we stand in church and we sing and, and we go through life, but what we as Christians and believers really need is the presence of God in our lives. We have a need for that until you meet it and you realize, oh, I need more of God in my life. You see, many people, even good people, have yet to experience the fullness of this river 
of God flowing through us from our spirit. And this river, as we would later see, is a river that flows from God's throne into our spirit. But there's a specific key why so many believers are missing that fullness of God in their lives. And I've been thinking about this. I think, Lord, why is there so many people who love God? They truly do. They, they, they are good people. They come to church. They read their Bible. They teach their children well. But they still have a need for the fullness of God's presence in their lives. To be able to pray for sick people. To be able to go on a mission and see God do miracles. You see, God doesn't just want us or want this river of His presence to flow into our lives. He wants this river to flow through our lives. And that's the big thing. That's the main focus of, so we can be obese Christians. <laughs> obese Christians is like we just take in. Yeah, I just want everything, but I'll never give out. It's like the Dead Sea. Do you know the Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because it only has an inflow? There's no outflow. And we need an inflow in God's, from God in our lives, but we also need, we urgently need an outflow where we can give in our lives. You see, the power of this river that flows from God into our lives and the blessing it releases is multiplied indefinitely when we become channels of it. I mean, I, I want that thing multiplied. I want God's presence in my life multiplied to experience Him when I pray, when I do my, my quiet time. And this is one of the most important keys for us as Christians, and that's probably a key that we miss so much. Because we've grown up in a system that we go to church and we experience and we take, and that's where it stops. And we never get to a place where we start giving, where we start encouraging, where we pray for people. You see, God didn't just send Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins so that we just can be blessed. Because it's nice to be blessed. No, no. He sent Jesus so that we can be a blessing for others. We can be a blessing as God's river and His presence flows through our lives. At the moment of salvation in our lives, we experience so much. Come on, you remember that moment when you, when you actually received God? When you prayed that prayer? Were you in a service and you really felt so convicted in your heart? And, and you prayed that prayer and you said, Lord, I just want to give you everything. You remember that moment. We walked out of that moment and you felt so refreshed. You felt like, oh, Lord, isn't this amazing? But so many Christians nowadays feel that this river of God's presence and His refreshing are drying up in my life. You have that dry moments. Come on, we all have. You have that dry moments in our life that everything is just going haywire. Everything is busy. I don't even get time to read my Bible busy. But there's no condemnation over us, but we feel dry in that moment of our lives and said, Lord, why do I have to feel dry when you filled me? It's a river that runs constantly. Why do I then feel dry? You see, when you got saved, it said you are filled with the fullness of God. Then why is it possible for us to feel and run dry in our spiritual life? It's a good question, isn't it? I believe that so many believers don't experience the fullness of God's presence because of one fundamental key, one fundamental thing. And it's going to be the, the core and the basis of what I'm going to speak about for today and the next two weeks. You see, this is the one fundamental thing, that the fountains of this river is clogged. And the flow of the river, it is restricted through our lives. It restricts our, the flow of God's river through our heart. And because the fountain that is feeding this river is blocked because of things in our lives. Now the theme that I want to speak about for the next three Sundays is something that I've, I've really experienced when we catch this. It's going to release something in your life. That thing that you feel that, man, I feel broken, I feel pain, I feel th this and that in my life, it's going gonna, it's gonna to shift. I also believe that this reason, this one key, is one of the, one of the biggest strongholds in the, in, the, in the community of believers. It's a stronghold for us not to go deeper in God. See, it keep, keeps Christians away from the full life in the physical. It keeps us away from a full life spiritual. It keeps us away from a full life in your business, in your finances. It, it is just a blockage. It blocks so much of God in our lives. You see, it ruins families, it ruins marriages, 
it ruins relationships all over the world. This one thing. And so many people today ask, when do we, I mean, why do we face all this turmoil worldwide? I mean, there's sickness, there's wars, there's hate, there's murders, there's all these things around us. Why? But the truth is that all these things in our lives and in our world finds its origin in this one thing, this one key that blocks the fountain of our lives, and that is the word judgment. You see, judgment is driven by bitterness, by emotional pain, by resentment in your life. And I mean, all of us go through that. You have brokenness, you have pain, you have emotional strain, there's resentment in your life, there's things that we face on a weekly basis. You see, and these things destroy our relationships and our marriages and our families and your business. It rips churches apart. It even rips nations apart. This one thing called judgment. So the question for us is today, how? How do we unclog this fountains so that the river can run through our lives and clean us from all these things that we struggle through every day and every week? You see, we are human. We have a relationship around us. You take offense. Relationships comes and, I mean, slate makar, if I can use Afrikaans. <laughs> now, firstly, we need to realize what determines authority and power in your life. It's very important. And, and maybe you say, but Henny, I know. God does. But I want to I explain to you how it works in the spirit. There's, we, all of us, um, there's two kingdoms on this earth. Two kingdoms. Now, if you like it or not, you are going to serve and submit to either one of these two kingdoms. It is one of those things. The number one is the kingdom of light or the kingdom of God. And the other one is the kingdom of darkness. And if you don't serve the kingdom of light or the kingdom of God, guess what? You don't have a choice. You're going to serve the kingdom of darkness. But say, Hedy, but I'm a good person. Well, it's like that. It's either white or black. You're not, you can't have one foot in the light and one foot in the dark. It is just you're going to serve one of these two kingdoms, and one of these two kingdoms is going to have authority in your life. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke. Luke 17, verse 20 to 21. He says, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the, king, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is where? It's within you. It is within you. So now I read the scripture and I connected it immediately with, you remember the first scripture? Where did the rivers run from? From within you. Are you thirsty? Come and drink and living water, living waters of God's river will flow from within you. Where did Jesus say, where's the kingdom? Within you. You see, Jesus says that the kingdom of God is, is not somewhere we go or what we see, but it is a spiritual position of authority we submit to. It is the authority we submit to, the kingdom we submit to, and the position we have in it. And Jesus said, it is within us. It is something in your spirit. It is where this river starts running through you. Of, that, that's called the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Remember the scriptures in John 7? That's exactly what Jesus said. If you are thirsty, something will start from within you. But there's also a kingdom of darkness. And so many people get deceived into walking in ways of this kingdom. And we see them once every week. And sometimes you get confronted with this kingdom on a daily basis. Just open social media, switch on your TV. But people walking in this kingdom and giving, and, and giving authority to it in their lives, they feel the consequences and the pain of it. And you can see the consequences and the pain on people's lives because of this kingdom of darkness. It leads to so much. It leads to brokenness. It leads to crisis in many lives. It leads to crisis in your family, in your marriage. It leads to haywire governments financial markets, you can see the effect of those things, of the kingdom of darkness. Whatever kingdom you choose will have authority over your life. And the result of these things is 
what we're seeing all over the world. We see poverty, we see crime, we see hopelessness, we see wars, we see no value for life. And that's the effect of the kingdom of darkness. It's not just Lord of the Rings. It is real things in the spirit that happens. That if you don't choose the kingdom of light, you will see the kingdom of darkness. If someone don't disciple you that believe in God and, and, and pull you into the kingdom of light, guess what? The world will disciple you. A great, a great, a great example of this is atomic power. Atomic power was one of the greatest inventions of man. It, it changed millions of lives through energy, through so many things. It is an incredible thing that we have. I mean, we, most of your electricity is through the atomic power plant, just up the road. But because of people's dark, dark intentions, atomic power was used to bring fear and destruction. Kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. And each of these two kingdoms, and it's very important, have two spiritual forces that influence and rule our lives, depending on what kingdom you submit to. Every kingdom has two forces, two keys that has an impact on your life. And I'm going to speak about some of these in the next few weeks. The kingdom of God has mercy and honor. The kingdom of dark, darkness is filled with judgment and shame. How many of you, when you got saved in your life, had to work through that moment where you sit and God's presence come in and you realize that there's shame in my life because of what has happened? That's the kingdom of darkness fighting to stay there. But it's not powerful enough when the kingdom of light comes in. It, it just overpowers everything when you give it the right. And then the light comes in and the mercy comes in and there's honor to God alone. You see, so many people see criticism, fight, fault-finding and judgment just as a way of life. Hey, come on, Henny, I'm just, I'm just showing out the faults that I'm seeing. That's my right of speech. That's normal. That's normal life. Sometimes we judge, but it's not judgment. It's just I'm just seeing something that's happening and wrong. But you know what? When we judge, it's all about our hearts. It's all about what happens within you when you speak about others. Then we start judging without us knowing. See, what we don't realize is that judgment is a spiritual force. These things are spiritual forces that brings authority into that kingdom. And when we step into a place of judgment in our lives, man, then we start seeing the effects of the kingdom of darkness. And it starts clogging up the fountains that runs through our lives of God's presence. Then we start feeling dry because we have let in some of the forces of the kingdom of darkness. I'm not talking demonic stuff. I'm just saying this is a normal principle. See, what we don't always realize is that judgment is a spiritual force and it has the power to destroy your life and everything you love. I've seen it. It is so powerful, judgment, the force of judgment is so powerful that Jesus had to come and overcome it on the cross. And he overcame it with one thing called mercy. He overcame it with mercy. Absolute mercy. You see, you remember Jesus didn't come with a sledgehammer and he walked into this earth and he took... Um, I mean, he made war and conflict and aggression. He, I mean, no, he, he used mercy. He came in with the spirit of mercy to overcome. Now, let me just, for clarity reasons, give you a difference between, in Afrikaans, we have one word, genade. But in English, we've got two words, mercy and grace. Now, stay with me. Mercy and grace. Mercy and grace is two different things. Grace is something you receive, but you don't deserve it. God says, I've got grace for you. You deserve death, but because you, I have grace, I give you life. You receive something you don't deserve. But mercy is something you're not receiving, but you do deserve. 
you deserve to go to hell and die. But because I've got mercy on you, I will keep it away from you. I will take it away from you. That's the power of mercy. That's what Jesus had when he hung on that cross. James 2 verse 13. Look at the scripture. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's what Paul said. Remember, mercy triumphs over judgment. But maybe you're saying, Henny, but man, you don't understand. You don't understand how much that people hurt me, Henny. You don't understand how much they destroyed my life. Or Henny, maybe you said, what Dave did to me and my family, they've ripped our marriage apart. They've ripped my family apart. Henny, you don't understand how much those people have hurt me. You don't understand how much this situation in my business have ripped my, 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 um, my life and my savings away from me. You don't understand, Henny, how much these people that I gave my life to have just come and nullified everything I've worked for for so long. You don't understand it. So how do, Henny, how do I forgive someone that have offended and hurt me so much. Someone that I don't want to give mercy to, they don't deserve mercy. Ever been there? Ever been in a place where, where you had so much offense in your heart where people just come and just take everything from you and you're so mad at them that you just want to judge them? It's, it's normal life. Relationships tend to sh shave relationships. Iron sharpens iron. <laughs> it is part of life. But listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6. And this is powerful. It says, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will, not, and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use will be measured back to you. Now we use this scripture so many times. I've used it for taking up the offering or speaking about money. I've used it many times. But see, if you really look at the previous scriptures, Jesus also used it, and he's speaking about this principle of sowing and reaping, giving and receiving, but he's using the context of forgiveness, using the context of generosity, of mercy, and of judgment. Jesus says, and it's interesting, he says, remember, what you sow, you will reap. If you sow judgment, guess what? It is a spiritual principle. You will reap judgment. I don't know if you're a business owner and you, you realize that there's people speak under each other. And there's a spirit of judgment that starts rolling. It's like a snowball effect. And soon this guy judges that guy and there's no, I mean, there's no peace in that whole business. I have seen that. Because of one moment of judgment. You see, this is a spiritual principle, and if we miss this principle in our daily lives, we will most certainly clog up our spiritual fountains so that the river of God cannot flow fully through our lives. And you will start feeling dry in certain places. Lord, why am I not experiencing you anymore? But there's so much judgment in your life because of all these things, and no mercy that you've got one foot in the kingdom of darkness in a certain sense, and that spiritual force has an impact in your life. Judgment is a powerful force. It's like a computer virus. How many of you had a virus on your computer? You just open one email and boom, suddenly your, e your computer is starting, starting to crash all over. That thing starts shutting down everything, every program in your life. But Henny, I just opened one email. I didn't know this is a virus. Henny, I just, I just had this little one moment of offense in my life. That's not that bad. But see, you opened your heart to a place of judgment and starting to judge people in your life. And because of that judgment comes in, it starts shutting down things in your life. 
It starts nailing you in the places where you need the flow and the refreshment of God in your life. See, the fruit of judgments leads to brokenness in every relationship. It leads to stress and anxiety. It does. It leads to condemnation in your life. It even leads, leads to sickness. I've seen that. That the doctors can't explain. It's like, man, we, we don't know what's wrong with you. And if they went and we pray through them through a moment of, of healing and, 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 and forgiveness, suddenly when emotional healing comes, physical healing is there. It's, it's incredible. I have seen that. You see, judgment in our lives is a spiritual force we cannot underestimate. I have underestimated that in my life before. But maybe we ask, so Hini, okay, how? How do we as Christians make then sure? How do we make sure we're not being misled by judgment in our lives? How can we unclog these fountains that feed the river that have to run through my life? How do we do that? Because we, we can't speak about a problem and, that, and not give a how and an answer to the how. Am I right? We need to say, okay, Lord, now you need to help me because I see that I'm very prone to judge very quickly. I've been there. Now, if we go back to the scripture and you look at verse 1, verse 36, it says, be merciful just as the Father is merciful. Be merciful just as the Father is merciful. I read that and I thought, what? Is that even possible? <laughs> I mean, how, how, do we, how is it possible that we can show mercy like the Father? Have you thought about that? How can, I, how can we forgive like God has forgiven? How can we give mercy like God has given mercy? But it is possible. And I'll show you how and why. You see, Jesus gave us the command to be merciful. It was not a suggestion. He said, I command you to be merciful as my Father is merciful. So Jesus, help us. How do we do this? Now I started out with a scripture this morning in John 7. Remember that scripture that says, if you are thirsty, do what? Come and drink. And what will happen? Rivers of living water will flow from within you. Remember that? Living water. Holy Spirit water that flows within you. See, we all know that there is power in the Holy Spirit, right? It's the Holy Spirit who created the earth. God said, let there be light. Guess what the Holy Spirit did? He created. Guess who rose Jesus from the dead? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit is powerful. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will flow through us from within. Like a river. You see, Jesus didn't say, if you believe in me, then you'll get all the knowledge and all the wisdom that you want. He didn't say that. He said, Henny, if you are thirsty, come and drink, man. And if you drink, let the river flow. Let that river flow. Come and drink. When we were in worship this morning, we were drinking. That's what it is. Lord, I'm here this morning. I didn't feel like it, but I want to drink of your presence this morning. I want to drink of your presence because I'm thirsty of more of you. I feel dry in certain places in my life. I want to drink of your presence. And guess what? When you start drinking, the rivers start flowing. You feel the presence of God in your lives. Wisdom comes and knowledge comes. It's not first wisdom and knowledge and then, then the river flows. You see, so many of us are living our Christian faith on a basis of knowledge and revelation. That was quite a wake-up call to me. We live our Christian life on a basis of revelation and knowledge when we actually need revelation and experience. We need the revelation. We need the experience and relationship with God. Lord, I need more of you. I want to drink your presence. And then suddenly the knowledge and the wisdom comes. It comes. See, it's the other way around. See, we just celebrated Easter. And I want to give you this one picture, and it's going to help you realize that if Jesus can say, I command you to be merciful, this is my Father, how do I do it? This is how. 
We just had Easter and we reflected, reflected on the price that Jesus paid on the cross. He was hanging on that cross, remember? He was paying the ultimate price that will keep us free from sin and condemnation into eternity. In that moment. Remember that? We spoke about that. He said, Tetelestai, it is finished. And when he said finished, the power of God ripped the inner court, the curtain apart from top to bottom. And the power of God, the Holy Spirit, became part of our lives. In that moment. So powerful moment. And with one sacrifice, Jesus did what? He demolished judgment and the power of sin. In one moment. The, the price we should have paid, He paid. Now maybe you're feeling that this situation you need to handle or this thing, this offense you need to work through. Henny, I don't know how I'm going to do that. This is just too tough. I don't know how I'm going to speak to this person I'm really mad at. I don't know how I'm going to keep this offense from happening in my life. Lord, how am I going to do this? Well, the good news is that Jesus already done it. I know it's a cliche thing to say. Oh, Jesus has done it. But He has. He has done it. He has finished the work. Totally. He has paid the price, ultimately, for us. And all we need to do is let the river of mercy throw flow through us to others from within into the situation and then what we do we speak life and we declare life and we declare mercy i want to finish with this and the last book of the bible and the last chapter of the last book of the Bible, Jesus, or the, the, the author, and God comes and he finishes the Bible with this. Listen to this. Revelation 22 verse 1 and 2. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. We've just been speaking about this. And it is as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Do you see that? It flowed from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Now John came, he wrote Revelations, and he came and he saw a vision of a river that flows from the throne room of God. Actually, from the throne of God. But he, he didn't stop there, and it's the first time I see this. It didn't just flow from the throne of God. It flowed from the Lamb. You know who the Lamb is? It was Jesus on the cross. See, John saw this vision, and we need to remember that when Jesus hung on a cross, he said to the Father, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. He was looking at the people in Luke. It was in Luke 23, I think. He said, and, and just think about this moment for, for just a moment. He was hanging on his cross, and he was looking at people cursing at him, shouting at him, spitting on him, hitting him as he was walking past with the cross. The people that he loved. And still do. But listen what he did. He chose to show mercy. He chose to look at them and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, Father. And when Jesus hung on that cross, he became the door for, from heaven to earth so that the river of mercy could run from heaven from God's throne room, through Jesus, and then through us. Jesus, when he poured out, when he blew out his final breath, he became the door. You remember when he blew out his final breath, what happened to the curtain? It tore from top to bottom, from heaven to earth. It tore straight through. And in that moment of power, the mercy of God started running from God's throne through Jesus. So that we can jump into that river of mercy, into any situation that you're in, and say, Father, I'm letting the river of mercy run through me, and I speak mercy over this situation. I'm really hurt, but thank you for your mercy through my life. Thank you that today I'm forgiving. 
I'm speaking mercy over this person. I'm speaking mercy over this situation. You see, the price that Jesus paid released mercy so that we can be able to release, release mercy. We just need to be conscious to let the river of mercy flow through our lives. And then we bring healing into every situation, into every relationship in our lives. I remember when I was running professionally, and it was um, Olympic year, and I, I've told a, a, a one or two, I told a testimony about my, my, my running days. It was prior to the Sydney Olympic Games, and I was traveling Europe, and all I had to do is qualify again for Olympics. I was qualified, I qualified like 12, 11, 12 or 13 times in South African season on a toughest standard. All I needed to do is go to Europe and qualify again. And I got to Europe, I got sick, remember? And, uh, and I couldn't qualify and I struggled, but I didn't feel sick because I had a rotavirus. You don't feel sick, you're just tired all the time. And there was one team manager in the team, and he's very well known, so I'm not going to say his name. And, uh, and he, was, he didn't like me at all. I don't know what I did wrong. Maybe it's because I was very outspoken about my relationship with God and he, he just didn't know. I mean, he had no hair on his head that liked me. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> and, uh, and we were sitting one night in a living room. We were in Ireland and we were traveling as a South African team together. And uh, it was our last two meetings. And we were watching some of the Golden Leaks or the Diamond League events on TV. And I sat in front with two, three of the very well-known athletes in our country. I'm not going to say their names because you're going to know them as well. And we were looking at this one event and everybody wanted to see this one South African guy run at the Diamond League. And the team managers were sitting at the back and two of the agents and very well-known agents in Europe and um, got a lot of authority in athletics there. So you don't want to mess with them. Um, you want to you deal right with, with the people, with the power. And, and we were sitting there, and the guy next to me turned to me, and he spoke to me. And I just turned around, and I nodded my head. And suddenly, the team manager jumped up, and he started screaming at me in front of everyone. How do you, I mean, who do you think you are? But like speaking, when we want to look at this, you are like, you, if, if you were a child, I would send you out right now. I mean, just, I was the grown man. He was teaching, I mean, speaking to me as I was a small child. And I sat there and I didn't even say a word. I was just nodding to the guy next to me. And the guy next to me, he wanted to lose it. And I just took my hand and I just said, don't worry. And for, for, the, for the first time in my life, I, took re I really took offense. I wanted to afterwards say, listen, I'll speak to him afterwards. I wanted to go afterwards and just tell him exactly what I think about him. That he's entitled, he's this and he's that and he's doing this. And, and, and then after this whole thing, I just stood up and I walked. And my one friend then said to me, no, no, Annie, just leave it till you calm down. And I left it. And then after that, we had two more events. I couldn't qualify. I was sick. But I knew that there was always a gray area to go back home, speak to the Olympic team doctors, and they can test me and they can prove that I couldn't qualify because I was sick. And because I qualified before, I'm, my place in the team is booked. I worked for the Olympic team for years, and I want to go. So I got home, found out that after a team meeting with the managers and the medical staff, I was released from the team. So in this moment, you sit there and you realize, but I've worked for this all my life. And because of one moment and before a TV screen in Europe, because you were acting like a child, you take me out of the team. I was furious. I mean, I wanted to break things. Have you ever been there? <laughs> I wanted to kick things. I mean, I, I, was, re I was furious. And then I was the better man, and I said, oh, let's just let it go, and didn't make the team, and watched on DSTV all the races, and, but inside, I was mad. And then later on, I prayed about it, and I said, I'll forgive him, and, and I always thought it was done and finished, but there was so much judgment in my heart towards this man, I didn't even know it. So we moved to Cape Town seven years ago, and Olivia and Valkfonen, and and I walked into the spa the first week. 
Yes. <laughs> and here, my, my friend stands in the spa and we walked into each other and I didn't know what to say and I could see he really didn't know what to say. And I was like, hey, how are you doing? Okay. And I was like, man, suddenly all those judgment and things started boiling up from the inside. And I thought, Lord, I let the judgment flow down the river, man. But sometimes we take the judgment under our foot and we just let the river flow, but it never leaves my foot down there. <laughs> huh? And I realized, I was like, Woo, what is under my feet? I was holding on to judgment in my life. And every day he goes for a run and I, go, I pass with a car. And I was like, <laughs> And suddenly God started speaking to me and said, Henny, what is that in your heart? Because the streams of living water of my presence wants to flow through your life and you're going through And then I was going through a bunch of stuff in the next two, three weeks and I was struggling to hear God's voice. I was struggling to, to really find His presence and drinking at moments and I just couldn't find it. And I was driving past Him one day and God said to me, what is that, Henny? I said, that's nothing, Lord. I've settled that like 10 years ago. <laughs> really? Are you sure you settled with it? And I said, okay, Lord, then you have to show me. He said, I don't have to show you, you know. You know you're holding on to judgment in your life. And every time you passed him for the last three weeks, you have resurfaced that judgment. And you think in your heart, yeah, if it wasn't for you, I would have been at the Olympics. You are the culprit. You, I mean, you, I mean, I had a lot of other words. <laughs> and I had to go and sit with God and, and said, Father, I'm coming to you because I'm thirsty because of a dry moment in my life. I need the river of God to flow through my life here. I need your mercy, your river of mercy to flow through my life here, but I don't feel like it. I really don't feel like it. But I said, but Jesus, I know you paid for everything on a cross. I know you did. I'm going to give you the opportunity <laughs> I remember I said that. I'm going to give you the opportunity, Jesus. <laughs> Come and help me, because I don't know how to do this. And I just let the river flow that morning. I just let the mercy, the river of mercy, come and flow through my heart. And God settled it in that moment. I made a choice, an intentional choice, not to let the force of the kingdom of darkness operate in my life and bring authority and power into my life which I realized that's why I'm struggling so I stepped over and said Lord I need light in this dark moment I need your light I need your light and more than ever I need your light and I settled it right there and now when I drive past him I want to park and say hey how are you doing man really that's how much the judgment kept me from stepping into mercy and it might be a small little email you open, but the virus will attack and destroy everything in your relationships, in your life, and everything. I want to leave this with us today. And I want to pray for you. And as we're going through this, next week we're going to speak about true forgiveness. What is, how do we release forgiveness? Speak about the divine flow of God's love that comes through mercy and grace. And unity. And it's something that if we be intentional with this in our lives, we'll speak mercy. When me and Salome went through ministry ordeals and stuff, where we had to go through a shift in our lives, and we still have to speak mercy over people daily. <laughs> when I run into people, I was like, mm -hmm. I said, Thank you, Lord, Lord, for your mercy over them. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. It's all over. It's the only thing you can say. That's what you say. Because I want that river to flow through me. I want the mercy to flow from me to them. I want to be a channel. I want to be a channel. And God has called us to be a channel of His mercy. Amen. Can we stand together? I want to pray for us. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you that no matter how hard the word is, or sometimes we don't want to hear things, that is super important. But I thank you that sometimes you put your finger on things in our lives to draw us closer to you, Father.
to bring us deeper into relationship with you, Lord, to bring us closer to we can see and experience the fullness of God. And Father, I pray that, that you will open our hearts today, Lord. That we will not sit with offense and with judgment in our hearts because of people and with legit reasons because people were unrighteous in our lives. But Father, we want to have the heart of Jesus on that cross where he says, Father, forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. We want to speak mercy over, over, over everyone in our lives. I want to give you the opportunity this morning, just you and God, just close your eyes. And, and as I was been speaking, the Holy Spirit sometimes put his finger on things. So that one relationship, if you run into them, what would you say? Will something happen in your heart? Why don't you just bring that before the Father right now, just right now. And then when you see that, just say, Father, thank you for your mercy right now. You see, God knows your emotions that you had to face. He knows the pain and the brokenness you had to step through. He knows everything. But he also knows the price that his son has paid on that cross. Where he destroyed the kingdom of darkness. And he released mercy from his throne. And it's flowing through Jesus. All you need to do is get into that river. Get into that river of mercy so that it will flow through you. So Father, this morning... We're getting into the river of mercy. And Lord, help us to deal with our past. Deal with our present. So that we will see your light in our future. From today into eternity. Lord, we will not give the enemy and judgment a place in our hearts. And we trust you, Father, that that will shift today in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.